Hello and welcome to the Low Tech Lecture Series. The following is an unedited lecture of a topic tangential to the Low Technology Institute. The ideas expressed are those of the speaker. We hope you find it informative and entertaining. As it is unedited, audio quality varies. Stay tuned after the lecture for information about the Low Technology Institute and its other offerings, or find us at lowtechinstitute.wordpress.com. Thanks and enjoy. This lecture series is a recording of the class Archaeology and the Prehistoric World from the spring semester of 2017, taught by Scott Johnson. So, really briefly for the rest of the period, which isn't too much time, I'm just going to run through and introduce why this course is actually relevant beyond the interesting things uh, and the neat little facts about the ancient world, even though there are going to be those, and we'll learn about you know, when was the earliest pyramid built and what about Roman aqueducts, and uh, how about as the Aztec sword that looked like a cricket bat that could cut the head off a horse. Like Those are all interesting things, uh, but we'll talk about why this information is actually relevant to us today. Um, and I'll also get into some of the practical considerations of the course, like how do exams work and things like that. So uh, has anyone here taken general anthropology? See one hand, anyone else two hands? Something like that, okay. so. Or even if you've read about anthropology, heard about anthropology or archaeology, what are some of your favorite topics from that course or from generally for archaeology or anthropology? Anybody that raised their hand earlier? So you're, so you're talking about uh, an ethnography. Oops, and I can't spell. Sure. Well, an ethnography, like the in-depth study of one culture, and you're talking about like all the, the different gender roles and the religious beliefs and all these things, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the ethnographies are really uh, a fun way to get to know one culture really deeply. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like band tribe chiefdom sorts yeah, of. Yeah, those types. Mm -hmm. of so the. Different types of social structures, like <coughs> the gender roles are. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, many cultures actually have a uh, what's called a third gender role, which isn't isn't male or excuse me isn't um, masculine or feminine. It's a recognized third um, gender within their society. It's interesting for me because um, when I started teaching, that wasn't like a common thing that was talked about. But nowadays, in the news and in popular culture and uh, gender diversity or fluidity or uh, a wider variety of genders are known and talked about, which I find really fascinating that we are now going into discussing how are we going to deal with that? What sorts of pronouns do we use? How do we express these different things? Where other cultures like um, in India or many Native American tribes have had that for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. It's really fascinating. Any other topics or even if you haven't had an anthropology class or is there any particular part of archaeology that really 
gets you going. Okay, it's not. Um, yeah, I think uh, we've been talking in anthropology, we've been talking about gender and race long before they were, you know, sexy topics. Not that I don't know if they're actually, I don't know if that's the right word to use, okay. Um, so, for me, a lot of times, like I was just talking about, uh, after you've had anthropology, you kind of get a way to see the world in a different way. Um, in my, when I teach anthropology, I often have people do journals and they have to illustrate course content with ex examples out of their life. So when we learn about the gender roles, they you know, often write about, oh, my cousin just had a baby, and the first question everyone always asks is, is it a boy or a girl? Right? It's a baby. It doesn't have really gender roles yet. There's no difference between a male baby and a female baby until you know, years down the road. So, but everybody needs to know immediately. So that's one example. Um, a lot of people, and myself included, I find cultural anthropology a lot easier to relate to your everyday lives because you're living in a culture and you're interacting and you get to see all the topics that we're talking about in your everyday life and it kind of changes how you view things. It's a little tougher in archaeology, right? Oops. Archaeology may not seem as relevant. Um, how many of you have needed to know about carbon-14 dating in your everyday life? And how many of you today have already interacted with somebody that has a gender role? That's all of us, right? So. Okay. Um, so, just off the top of your head, from outside knowledge, obviously I'm not the first day, so uh, we haven't talked about this too much, but what are some major differences between us and ancient societies? Just anything, you can call them out. Yeah. Technology. Technology. Tech and medicine, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, we basically eradicated a large number of the young, or the small, or the diseases that affect you when you're young. That's why now we have a whole bunch of old people diseases because people haven't been living that long that we've had to deal with that many people that were old. So yeah, that's a big one. Education. In what way? Um, so, so we have maybe a deeper knowledge of the world around us. I would also argue that we have a broader knowledge, right? Like ancient world, not everybody got to go to school, and not everyone could read, right? And today that's pretty common. Right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'd throw that under technology. No, that's fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyone else? More? They're pretty broad categories. They encompass a lot. Anything else? No? Those are pretty good ones already. Um, so if I were to list them, I would talk about scale. So you know, um, before 10,000 years ago, there were no cities. So everybody lived as a hunter-gatherer in a small group that moved around uh, their hunting and living area, right? So obviously our size of human societies has changed and the complexity of human society has changed. We've got more people living together. We need systems in place so we don't just kill each other. Uh, kind of a dark way to look at it, but could be argued. Uh, technology you guys mentioned, agriculture. Again, 10,000 years ago, agriculture started, and since then we've had ever-increasing numbers of people, and I would link uh, every major leap forward in population to changes in agriculture, and we can talk about those later on in the semester. 
communications. Uh, didn't quite mention that, but you know, I, if I have the right number, I could take out my cell phone right now and call somebody in the desert in Egypt. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, so communication is very different. We know uh, news from around the world a lot better uh, and more quickly than they did in the past. Transportation, um, similar to b taking out my phone and calling somebody anywhere in the world, I can get anywhere in the world. If money is no object, I could get just about any, anywhere in the world in 48 hours. Maybe if it's really remote, it would take me 72 hours. And I'm talking, you know, even flying somewhere and then taking a helicopter. You could probably get most places pretty quickly. You know, south, the South Pole excluded, underwater excluded. Right? Um, and scientific understanding, we kind of talked about that with education. Um, we certainly have a more complex understanding of the world around us. Although we'll learn about plenty of ancient cultures who have a pretty complex understanding of their surroundings. So I like to think of ancient societies as experiments in living. Right? Uh, we talk about in science we talk about experiments and we have a and we run a test to see if the uh, if the desired outcome happens or not. We can kind of look back at uh, ancient societies as test cases. Right. Um, so if anthropology is the study of people and culture, archaeology, and we'll go into this again, this is not the only time you'll hear the definition of archaeology, archaeology is the study of people and cultures in the past. So um, in the 1960s, there was a sea change in archaeology, and it changed from just the interest in looking at the cool things in the past, the, you know, the different artifacts and all that. It changed to thinking about the cultures and people behind those artifacts, and archaeology really solidly became part of anthropology. And this um, exchange, and we haven't talked, we'll talk about this on Friday when we do the history of archaeology. Um, we'll learn that in England, for example, archaeology is seen as more allied to history rather than um, a social science, like uh, anthropology. So uh, another round of uh, brainstorming. Uh, what, so what are some of the biggest problems we face today? I don't mean you individually, like paying for my car or whatever. Um, I mean, like, as a society, as a community, as a whole, what are some of the biggest prob problems we face? Anybody? Yeah. Climate change. Climate change, yeah. Food, poverty, mass extinctions, which, you know, many of these things interact with one another. What else? Health. Sure, that's perennial. Um, I have different health problems today, but there's still plenty of health problems. Yeah, anyone else? Major systemic problems? Yeah, fuel. Fuel or energy, yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's also, I would say, social problems. Uh, we just had a very contentious election, right? Uh, that laid bare, I think, a lot of underlying uh, social dynamics that don't always come up. So um, if I were to list them, so climate change we had, the political upheaval, war and conflict, right? Syria is in its sixth year, 2011. It's going on, yeah, it's sixth year of civil war. Um, famine and disease, systemic inequality, 
Reliance on non-renewable resources, yeah. Nice. Uh, income inequality, Kim Kardashian, self-driving cars, and final exams. And obviously I'm joking a little bit about the Kim Kardashian and self-driving cars and final exams. They're not necessarily the biggest problem. Um, they can seem like it. Okay. So my major point in asking you about these is that I want to point out that the particulars change, but the challenges are the same. So climate change has been a problem for every ancient society, right? I have the Maya, Mesopotamians, Egyptian, Aztecs, and Inca. I didn't add the Romans because they lived in a pretty decent time period in terms of global fluctuations, and they didn't destroy their environment as heavily as, say, the Mesopotamians did. Um, but, and when I say climate change here, I'm speaking generally about a changing environment rather than the uh, phenomenon of anthropogenic climate change. That's happening right now uh, where we're spewing lots of carbon into the atmosphere. Um, we will talk about why archaeology is a good way to understand that so-called debate because uh, we as archaeologists, we have to reconstruct ancient environments. And so we do a lot of the same science that climate scientists do when they're reconstructing those past graphs of you know, how much was the temperature, how much was the carbon, and then as things change, we're going to talk about ice cores and how exactly we know how much carbon dioxide was in the atmosphere 5,000 years ago. We know exactly because we can measure it. Uh, political upheaval. Everybody had this. The Maya um, had civil wars, just like uh, we see now in Syria, or we've had in our own country, um, Mesopotamians. Lots of uh, empires rose and fell. Um, the Romans were constantly expanding and contracting and at odds with people around them. The Egyptians had plenty of internal strife. Aztecs and Inca were obviously invaded by exterior forces, but before that they also had plenty of uh, internal conflict. So war and conflict, all of them. Uh, everyone's suffered from famine. Uh, we can talk about the how much of a famine uh, is due to environmental and uh, agricultural practices and how much of it is due to human choices. Uh, a lot of famines are actually due to mismanagement of food. Um, for example, did you know that during the uh, Irish potato famine, Ireland was exporting beef and grain and uh, while well, people were dying because they had contracts with England. So they couldn't uh, avoid, they couldn't get out of those contracts. So they were growing, they were a net exporter of food during the Irish potato famine. Big problem. Um, disease, all of them had disease. And Kim Kardashian, well, she is our own special snowflake of a problem. Um, not every society, or every society has had some sort of notorious individual. I don't think Kim Kardashian's that notori notorious. I think she's kind of harmless. But I just bring her up as kind of a, just a kind of a funny example. So, obvious where I'm going with this? Or is it, where am I going? I saw a nod. Sorry, I don't mean to pick on you. I'm just nodding in general. So I'm sure we've all heard the really boring phrase, which I have in Spanish, which is the original. But so those who cannot remember their past are condemned to repeat it. And I know that's really trite. And like, I'm sure there's like a billion Facebook memes with like sad kittens or something that says those who cannot remember their past are condemned to repeat it because even without being in in college or whatever, you've probably heard this in high school and then in middle school and maybe even in elementary school depending on your instructor, right? So that's kind of the highbrow answer. We ignore the lessons of the past at our peril, but I have a more practical answer which I think is a little better. 
Other large-scale societies have dealt with similar, similar problems. Some have survived and others have not. So why wouldn't we look at them and ask why did they succeed, why did they fail, and can we use that for ourselves? It's just, it, the data is sitting right there, why would we ignore it? Um, I think many times today, people, politicians, and others who set policy are blinded by looking just at the last maybe 100 years of history, which, you know, if you look at the made-up graph that I'm drawing here on the board, where it just exponentially goes up, if you truncate the graph and you look at just the last 100 years, you can see, you know, life expectancy, uh, GDP, um, number of material possessions we have. All of them are just climbing, climbing, climbing at this amazing rate. But if we were to expend, excuse me, extend that back in time, it's going to be a roller coaster, up and down and up and down and up and down. And so to say that uh, if you only look at the last 100 years and everything's been getting better and better and better with no end in sight, well, that kind of ignores what happened in the past. Because if we look at, say, the Roman Empire from... 200 BC to 100 CE, or Common Era, or AD for most of you, um, you would see this graph. And then, you know, if you look after 100, it starts to level out and then eventually collapse. So there's been a lot more in the last 100 years, and I know you guys already know that, but this is where we're going to look way far back. So where the theoretical rubber meets the road, this is why we need to learn the archaeological basics. So when I tell you this society is X years old, we'll know how we know that because you'll have a decent understanding of carbon dating or uh, tree ring dating or uh, lake barb dating or a couple other techniques that we use to get chronological dates, for example. Um, so you need to be conversant in archaeological basics, and that's why we spend the first half of the semester focused primarily on that. This is how we know about ancient societies and what we know. And these basic concepts and terms will appear on the test. So um, a lot of the basic terms and concepts that I can ask you to define uh, or ask you in a multiple choice question, those will often come up on the in-class portion of the exam because those are things you need to know. You need to know what the word context means or um, yeah, I keep harping on carbon-14 data. So um, a, a sea of facts about ancient societies, that's kind of the second component of this course where we're going to learn all kinds of facts about ancient societies. We're going to look specifically at the Maya, Romans, Mesopotamians, Egyptians, and Aztec and Inca. So I'm uninterested in factoids. Do you know what the difference between a fact and a factoid is? Anybody? So um, Factoids are facts devoid of context. So the earliest pyramid was built at uh, 2600 BCE. Okay, right, that's a factoid. This is out there. The Roman Empire uh, hit its apogee around um, uh, 117 of the Common Era. Okay, so what? I'm not going to ask you questions on that. Uh, how tall is the, the uh, Dozier's Pyramid? I don't, I don't care. You don't need to memorize that, because that's not, that's not important. The important part for you in this class is not memorizing all of these different facts. It's knowing what they mean. If we know, for example, that Dozer's Pyramid was built at uh, 27 or 2600 BCE, 
that we can talk about the social system that was in place that allowed one person to muster all the work of all these individuals to build his first pyramid. That's more interesting to me, the social dynamics behind these different things. And I realize we are pretty much out of time. Um, so on the take-home portion of the exam, I'll ask you a more broad question. And then you can pull in facts from, um, from other sources. You don't need to memorize these things. So um, that's pretty much a minute over. Apologize for that. Um, so that's pretty much where we're going to end today. And we'll pick up on Friday, uh, having read the first chapter of the book. And we'll talk about the history of archaeology so we can get kind of a background to understand where this, uh, where this discipline came from. Thanks for listening to this low-tech lecture. Find out more by visiting our website, lowtechinstitute.wordpress.com. There you'll find the low-tech podcast, our blog, our event calendar, and other things going on around the Institute. You can subscribe to this lecture or our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many other podcasting apps. The background music is Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto No. 2 in C minor and is in the public domain. This podcast is under the Creative Commons Attribution and Share Like License, meaning you're free to use and share it as long as you provide credit.